Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship pod here at Campus De Canton. Uh, our penultimate episode on the conference preview series here. We're talking the second half of the SEC, the SEC West. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Um, I mean, I don't I don't have uh, a, a ton of runway for this show. I think we talked Georgia the last episode. We're going to talk the other powerhouse for the SEC here in this episode, Alabama. Oh, Miss. Uh, oh, sorry. And, and uh, you know, the the other the other couple of schools that are unfortunate enough to to be lumped in with Alabama. That's what that's what we're going to talk about. Maybe we'll 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 give our condolences as we uh, discuss uh, the other teams that are in here with them. Yeah, um, I mean, SEC West, SEC best. Uh, I think this side is a little bit stronger top to bottom than the other side. Uh, than the For East. our purposes. Yeah. Yes, yes. No, I, I completely agree with you. And we've got, I actually just watched the Johnny Manziel documentary this morning. Oh, so I haven't watched that yet. I've been meaning to. I, I will not lie. There, there's about a, a two minute, 30 second uh, stretch of it where you're like, this is really eye-opening stuff. And then like... Uh, they could have given us more, so I'm very mm. disappointed. Uh, I, I I really wanted to see. Do we get some Billy Vegas content? No, they didn't. <laughs> they literally don't mention the name Billy Vegas a single time uh. in the the uh, the the thing from what I saw. Uh, and it sounds like he's so he here's where uh, it's annoying. He's quote unquote at peace with where he is now, and that's the worst. Like I would <laughs> rather him just totally still be on a destructive path. I get why you know it's great for for his life and well being, but. Uh, you know, showbiz, this is not great. This is not great uh, content from uh, where I'm sitting at this stage. But uh, it was interesting to see his uh, rise and fall. And um, I think looking back on it, as many things are on this show, and as we kind of uh, talk about at times, like in retrospect, very, very obvious that there were issues uh, sprouting up uh, very early in his career, quite frankly quite frankly, at Texas A&M. So, but I, I, I would recommend everybody watch it if you can on Netflix. It's a good one. Okay. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll watch that then. Austin right. recommended. It, it Signed, sealed, delivered. So uh, speaking of signed, sealed, delivered, if you have been listening into these uh, conference preview episodes at the beginning of every episode, we are doing a interview with a uh, new, new or new-ish content creator in the college space, whether that's, you know, college fantasy or Debbie or just college football as a whole. We've had a lot of really good interviews so far. Um, tonight is a uh, a first in this series, quite frankly. And as we discussed between the three of us before the show, uh, we do what we want on this show. I think everybody knows we are just total wild cards. We do what we want. Um, <laughs> that's exactly how I think people would describe me. That's 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 how your wife describes you. I know it's how my wife describes me. Um, definitely not milk toast. That word's never come up uh, in in the description. Um, so we we actually have some slight announcement that will be uh, announced later, but we're gonna do it here because no one can stop us. Um, we are we're joined by Aaron Wilcox uh, at Aaron Wilcox eighty six on Twitter. And I'm gonna let you guys know on a little spoiler. Uh, Aaron is going to be joining the C two C team moving forward, uh, doing some Debbie work, at least to start with us. And we're really, really excited to have him yeah. here. Aaron is the host of the Debbie devotional podcast. You may have uh, heard him there. He's been on 
uh, our network of shows in the past. We had him on uh, maybe a month or two ago on Debbie Debate. So we're we're really excited to work with Aaron uh, and uh, to get some of his thoughts here. So Aaron, thank you for for joining us. You're the first live interviewee we've had during this series. So that at least means that we think you're okay. We don't have to <laughs> censor you pre-show. So thank, thanks for hopping on here and joining with us to uh, to talk some college football. Guys, thank you for having me on. That That is great. And I appreciate the intro and, and excited for things to come as, as I'm coming on to the team. So yes, I'm really excited to, to hop in here, give you guys some SEC, well, a little uh, primer to the SEC West contents you're going to put out there. We're not Love proud it. that we had to leave your co-host John in the dust, but you know you got to do what you got to do. You step, you step on a few, you know, people on the way up to the top, Aaron. You know, you, you know, you, you, we're we're all here now. So so uh, yeah, thanks uh, thanks for joining us here, and um, we'll announce it here in the next few days. But uh, we we're very excited to work with you. Quite frankly, I think um, finding smart Debbie people is really difficult now, and so we're really happy to to have you on board with us. Yeah, agreed. We're we're excited to bring you on here. Like I said, um, you know, we would love the the Debbie devotional, uh, out of the content you've been putting out here. So very excited to have you on board. Well, thanks. And yes, got to plug the Debbie devotional there. Like you mentioned, I, I podcast with um, John Dynasty Coach A on, on Twitter, and he puts out some great stuff. I, I heard he was, um, well, I saw some videos as he was a featured analyst at the Fantasy Football Expo, right? Mm -hmm. As a Debbie yeah. analyst, which was He's great. He's taller than I thought he was real quick before we, <laughs> and I think you say that about like every analyst you meet at the Expo. I thought he was like 5'9". He's legit like six foot tall. Like I, it blew me away. Yeah, yeah. Did I you know, know those rumors? Yeah, yeah. I, I've met him before. We, I have a picture of him at the beach at at St. Pete's, St. Pete's Beach. Um, and I, I guess I, I never really thought about it too much, but yeah, that, that was a rumor out there. But no, the guy's got some height. <laughs> yeah, I felt, I felt too, I felt pretty short. Uh, I am, I am, I tell people I'm five ten, so I'm like five nine and a half. I round up. Yeah, good good call on the roundup there, Colin. All right, so Aaron, I, I just for anybody, for you and for anybody who is hopping on here for maybe the first time, we're going to ask you three questions uh, for this college football season. We're going to ask you one player that we uh, that you think will help their stock the most this season, a player that you think is going to hurt their stock the most this season, and then your spiciest take that you can muster here on this show uh, for the 2023 season. So let's just kick that off with a player that you think is going to help their stock. Who is, you know, who, who's your guy this year? Who are we buying now before week zero in nine days? Yeah, one guy who I really think is going to help their stock this season. And speaking of SEC West teams, um, Texas A&M running back Ruben Owens. And, and that's okay. the guy for me. And I just think that, I mean, you look at so many aspects of him as a player and it's high end recruit. Like he was the number one back by rivals and number two back by two, four, seven. I don't know if he still stands there, but he's been high throughout the whole process. Um, he has enough size, like that 200 ish pound size. And I mean, coming in as a freshman, I get he's a little bit older, but I mean, at the end of the day, running backs, we're not looking at them to be like these 10 year guys in the league. Like we want like maybe four or five really good years from them. Ultimately, he has enough size coming in, and he has that athleticism to pair with that too. Uh, a 10, 600 meter dash, 
in high school. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good score there. So ultimately you look at Texas A&M backs and you say, well, I mean, I don't know about Isaiah Spiller. He didn't really, you know, get good draft capital, uh, Devin, a chain. He's kind of undersized. We don't know how he'll be. Well, first of all, he's bigger than a chain. And second of all, he's way faster. He's more athletic and versatile than Spiller. So in my book, he has that immediate opportunity available. Like Le'Veon Moss and Mario Daniels, they're, they're just not really scaring me off, let's say. And I think that a high pedigree guy, Ruben Owens, who's been looking good already. I mean, he's got a lot going for him. And I think the, the price tag is great. That's another reason I selected him because, I mean, he's... He's somewhat high out there, but he has plenty of room to even grow in value. So I think he's a good current buy. Yeah, he's been getting some good positive buzz in uh, in camp and everything. Sounds like he's kind of been the best pass catcher out of those backs, like you were talking about. You know, one of his his skill sets there. Uh, so I like that call. Are you? I know one of the detract detractors will point to his age. Is that something you factor in at all? Because he is a little bit of an older prospect. Yeah, and, and I get that worry to a degree. But like I mentioned, honestly, when he's coming into the league, let's say he's coming in at 23 years old. I, I forgot to do the math, but it's somewhere around there, right? I mean, you add four years onto that, he's still within that prime threshold. So you're going to get the entire rookie contract, and the guy is still going to be a, a very, very solid age. I, I'm i not going to hold a lot against him. And I know that there's some different spinoffs of like, well, what if he was just more mature than everybody else in high school? But the athleticism is verified. The production is phenomenal in the state yeah. of Texas. Um, and like I said, size, opportunity, et cetera. SEC, um, we talked about John's um, contributions on the Debbie devotional. He also has put out some research out there and you want to check off some of the, the higher, um, analytical bets you want a higher percentage of hitting on a freshman well i mean some of the things that i just listed off including sec back those are all nice criteria to go by um, from an analytical standpoint too for increasing your hit rates awesome i love it where, where i just want to ask you real quick aaron in terms of in within the context of this class where do you have him amongst running backs and if you were uh, give me kind of the range you're looking to take uh, a, a guy like Ruben Owens in a, a C2C supplemental versus a C2C startup, which I do think are are slightly different propositions as you discuss through them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely different um, within the class. So amongst the running backs in the 2026 class, I do have him as RB3 right now. So I, I do have Cedric Baxter, Justice Haynes. Um, just above him. And then after that, I'm like Roderick Robinson, Ruben Owens. It's like, well, Roderick, yes, potentially more upside with that size, right? I mean, the guy's a beast and he's athletic at a, at a big size, but Roderick Robinson also won't get that opportunity right away. I mean, it just doesn't seem likely he's going to actually get on the field a whole lot this season. Um, unless the key, the guys at Georgia keep dropping like flies, which I guess could happen at this rate. But uh, honestly, Ruben Owens, RB three in the class. I had him at one point tied with Cedric Baxter, as far as like how good of talents they are. But I mean, I think Baxter separated himself a bit and he's got a bit better size too. So ultimately within the class, love it in a supplemental um, I'll just use an example. I was just in one a few weeks back, and I think I took him at 111 or 112. Okay. So at the very end of first, I'm comfortable taking him, and that's a super flex format. And ultimately in a startup, 
that pushes him down a little bit. And how much do you really want to invest in maybe a slightly more risky asset, like a freshman in a startup that that can push him down even more. Um, first, you know, three, four rounds, I, I start looking at him in comparison, you know, Cedric Baxter is going what in the early second on average in a lot of C2C startups, it, it widely varies though. After that, like you could see Ruben Owens dropping much later than maybe the fourth round, even um, in a C2C startup. So, Ultimately, if you can snag him at a value, I do think he'll see that uh, kind of price jump or or he has a good shot at seeing a big rise in value this year. Yeah, I, I like the value that you you talked about there. I think end of the first in a supplemental, depending on your team construction and, you know, what what wide receivers have gone off the board at that point. I think that's a great spot for him, especially with just real quick. I just hopped off of our 2024 kind of preview recruiting class show. It's not a strong running back class. So if you're looking to wrap, uh, wrap up a running back, you could do a lot worse than Ruben Owens for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, on the other side of that coin, uh, what is one player that you think will hurt themselves or hurt their stock the most this year? Okay. I, I'm just going to rattle off a couple of players here. I, I not allowed. Really, you I know I'm, no, I'm, I'm breaking the rules already. I, I'm sorry, guys, but guys, now that I'm part of the team, bring, I can do yeah. what I want. Right. I, I, I think <laughs> this, this so. is the C2C show. We do what we want. So yes, I'm glad you're embracing that. <laughs> and, and we're going to try to give the people what they want to. So, so more names is always better. Right. Uh, but as far as guys who could potentially see their stock tick down, I, I kind of took this uh, well, I took ADP into consideration into this. So I took your guys' C2C uh, website, ADP, as of August 1st, and I'll, I'll kind of read it off in order as far as guys that I think could potentially lose a lot of value so they could see a pretty big stock hit. Um, at 11 overall, Quinn Ewers. 12 overall, Drew LR. 13 overall, Luther Burden. 19, Will Shipley. 30, Matthew Golden. 34, Devin Neal. And 45, Jamorian Miller. So I don't know if you guys want me to just quickly touch on those guys. Yeah, you're or... coming for everybody. Go have at it. Everyone, Please. right? Please make <laughs> me cry. <laughs> uh, okay. I'll keep it really short, but I, I think that Ewers has everything that you want as far as the weapons this year for him to succeed. If he doesn't really take that step forward, which he needs to become more efficient, he needs to become um, just more consistent. He could see a big drop. Cause that, I mean, he's in the first round as far as ADP startup. I don't know if that's actually, what people are doing in, in leagues where they have to put in money, right? They have to really, they have a lot more stakes, but ultimately, yeah, he could drop a lot. And, and same with Drew LR, where he is kind of that, we're, we're just projecting a lot. He has a lot of natural talent. I, I get a lot of the appeal, but to take him at the end of the first in a startup, man, that just seems a little rich where we just haven't quite seen enough. We've seen plenty of quarterbacks fizzle out, even though they have all of the, you know, arm strength, size, athleticism, et cetera. Um, Luther Burden next. I just don't hey, Aaron, think that. Can I, can I stop yeah, you real quick? I, yeah. I want to ask you, what is your philosophy personally? Because um, I've kind of drifted to this over the past couple of years. If you have a promising young quarterback, selling them for the most value you can get going into kind of that uh, assumed breakout season. Where are you on? And, you know, sounds like with, you know, guys like yours and, and Aller and, and some of those other guys that, that maybe fit that category for this year. Yeah, I, I'm definitely, yeah, I'm in with that idea as far as the guys who are less solidified. And I, I get that if you don't buy them now, you might not be able to, you know, get them later when they ascend to the Caleb Williams or the Drake May status. But I would really rather pay up 
like just pay a whole lot and try to get a guy who's more safe, like Caleb Williams, or even better, get a guy on the NFL side who's actually, you know, established, right? A stud. So just to see LR viewers have such high value at this time, I would try to sell them. But um, ultimately, sometimes it is hard to make those trades once you draft them on, on your team. So this is just yeah, not a bad idea to get off these guys where it's, they haven't really shown it. They haven't put it all together. And there's just so much risk with uh, projecting quarterbacks overall. Sure. Sorry to interrupt you. Go, go ahead, Luther Burton. <laughs> oh, continue no, no, continue hacking away at these guys. Oh, <laughs> it, it, and I hate to hack because <laughs> at the Debbie devotional, Luther Burden catches enough strays. And it's usually not for me, to be oh, honest. Yeah. I know I know John's a, a big uh, Burden. I think if John character. met Luther Burden, he'd kick him in the shins. Is that, <laughs> is that accurate? Is that, he'd go for it right, right away. Well, well, apparently I'm going for him as well. But, but Luther Burden – you can maybe just listen to one of our podcast episodes. We don't even have to rehash everything there. It's just, he has a lot of development to do and it's partially the price, right? As far as his stock still is pretty high. His value is pretty high as far as going at the beginning of the second in, in ADP. That's just a lot of risk for a guy who, who really showed that eh, he he's not actually this down the field threat, this nuanced developed route runner. Um, he's, he has a lot of athleticism. I love that about him coming out, but I thought he was a little bit more polished. Um, didn't really prove me right there, but I think he's got the potential. Don't hate him as a player, but that uh, he, he could fall a bit as, as far as how lofty he is currently. Um, Will Shipley was a guy up next to where I just ultimately don't know if he has a lot of special traits that are going to allow him to really rise into like the, the first round of, of rookie drafts. Like, does he have that athleticism um, that we really want at the end of the day um, and the size? I mean, he's not the biggest guy out there, but he's not small either. So I think he could potentially take a little bump down depending on how the pre-draft process and, and the draft and all that unfolds. Um, do you want me to keep going or, or do you guys have thoughts keep on going. either of those? I, I mean, I, <laughs> Continue the flamethrower. Just freaking go. Dat dash all of our hopes. Upset everybody. Go ahead. I'm 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 muted because I'm crying a little bit right now. <laughs> well, you know, Matthew Golden promised some. Stop promise it. Okay, things. never mind. Okay. Never mind. Never mind. No. That was my that was my stock up. So uh on when we did this. So I'm very curious to hear this. Keep keep I love it. Keep going. <laughs> well, he does have the opportunity this year, right? Tank Dell leaves. That that's very intriguing at Houston. But the quarterback change, I mean, that's going to be significant. And I'm not so sure, say, say what you want about you know, the quarterback situation there this year. I just don't see them and and the step up in competition, things like that. That's going to be some somewhat impactful. It has to be as far as the overall passing volume in this offense. And I've said in the past, Matthew Golden seems like he could see a rise in like target share. Some of those share-based um production analytical marks and and that's great but his, his counting stats definitely are not going to take a huge leap forward and as analysts we got to go past just the counting stats but is he going to have a huge season that really gets him on the radar or, or humongous breakout i'm i'm not so sure and i think just at 30 it's really a price-based thing for me i don't mind matthew golden at all but when you have to take him that early i think there's potential for his stock to to drop a decent bit um and then to continue flaming guys i mean Devin Neal. He, some of the things I said about Will Shipley, but a thousand times as far as I just don't think that Devin Neal's special. I actually think he's a solid back, and I have him in a C to C league. Um, happy to roster him, but he's not going to win me the league either. Like the CFF production there, 
I don't think it's going to be elite. There might be some vulturing from the quarterback, Jalen Daniels at Kansas. Devin Neal is a good player, but what differentiates him um, at the next level? There's a lot of good backs coming out this next year. I think ultimately he could be a fringe day two guy, probably more like a day three guy, which would, would be a disappointment if you're drafting him at 34 overall in a C to C league. And then the last guy, Jamaria Miller, only because, I mean, I really like the freshman coming into Alabama and I don't think Jamorian Miller is going to start this year. At, at least there needs to be a bunch of injuries or at least Jason McClellan going down. And we know that Roydale Williams will probably chip in some carries garbage time. So it's like, when is Jamorian Miller going to shine? You know, injuries happen. So I, I think things could definitely shake out, but he's already injured. Um, he's been injured the last few weeks. So Jamorian Miller, unfortunately having some bad luck to start um, August and like I mentioned, the guys coming in, you, you all like Justice Haynes, or I should say most um, C to C and, and most places yeah, out there. Like like you do too. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a very good player. RB2 in the class for me. And I actually am still very, very high on his backfield mate, Richard Young, too. And not as high um, necessarily as, as Justice Haynes, but I think that Richard Young could give Jamorian Miller a run for his money as well. So the, the, I think out of the whole group, he might retain a bunch just just because we're, we'll probably see, um, we'll probably see Jason McClellan, Roydale Williams get out of there after this year. So there could be that potential spike up. And at Bama, you tend to get some carries when you wait your turn. You stick around. So he's probably the least confident as far as guys who really hurt their stock this year. But I wanted to at least include or touch on him. Yeah. Why do you hate fun? <laughs> Well, 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 the good the good news is that if I didn't list that player, I, I think you're in the clear, everybody. So basically, every other player than that that, that list. No, <laughs> no um, you uh, you, you're coming at my guy uh, Donovan Smith there too, which uh, I, I we we've, we've talked about that on here too. But yeah, you uh, Austin was crying before, but you, you got me crying a little bit now. Drew Alar coming up, uh, Smith and and Golden, but uh, no, I. I think that's great. I think you brought up a lot of great points uh, on all of those guys. And it just kind of highlights why this year is a little bit more unsettled at the top um, compared to previous years for like Debbie and C2C. We saw a lot of guys leave and we've been saying it all off season. We saw a great class head off to the NFL and now we got some question marks. So some of these guys are, are going to take some hits. Do you think you, you list a lot of running backs there? And I just want to ask you, do you think there is, um, you know, as um, I've seen the hashtag, you know, any RB on a 53, you know, just the, you kind of like those guys once they get to the NFL or if they, they project there because anything can happen in a backfield. Neil Shipley Miller. Uh, I might be missing a guy here, but I mean, are those guys that you think can be, uh, functional NFL running backs uh even if we're not if they're not the uh bell cow or or kind of backfield leaders that maybe we hoped they would be over the past few years yeah yeah and and I definitely want to acknowledge that they could be functional NFL backs so I, I would agree there all of them could be capable guys whether they go day two day three maybe chance that one slips undrafted but at, at this point you would think that all of them would get drafted at some point and honestly like you said if they find their way into a starting lineup in the nfl and they succeed and the coaching staff really likes them like like if all these things fall really perfectly for sure they, they could all 
um, find some value at, at the NFL level. The issue is that in dynasty, a lot of times the guys who the running backs specifically who retain value year after year after year have some maybe elite traits, um, athleticism wise, uh, otherwise. And then the rest of the guys are kind of all like, eh. they're hanging around there, but they could be easily replaced. Like every year we think that, you know, now cam Akers and JK Dobbins, guys like that, who didn't necessarily quite put it all together yet. I mean, now we're going after my Scott fishbowl team, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just some recent examples of like guys who, I mean, they, they're pretty good players too, but if they don't put it together right away, they could easily be replaced at the NFL level. Um, just ultimately the volatility of the non elite guys um, from a value standpoint in, in a C to C or just a dynasty league, anything like that. It makes me a little bit hesitant, I guess, um, honestly, with a couple of those backs where I'm not sure if they do anything at an quote unquote elite or top, top end level, but ultimately still decent players. I, I just pick them as guys who could potentially hurt their stock a bit this year, but not bottom out. I don't think that any of those guys, like I said, I think all of them get drafted. Well, we've, we've, uh, I, a good list of names there. I don't know that I would consider any of them spicy in terms of stock down. So I, I do have to ask you your hottest take for 2023. You're not a hot take guy, Aaron. And uh, of all my, my time knowing you um, that, that that's not your style, but we're, we're asking you to to go a little, little outside the box here tonight from what you usually do. What is your bold prediction here for the upcoming season? Yeah, you're, you're right. This is not necessarily the forte, but if I'm going hot, I'm going spicy tonight. I'm going back to the Noah Rogers talk at Ohio state. Um, Noah Rogers will be the better wide receiver out of Brandon Innes and Carnal Tate for Ohio oh, state. Um, if it. not, if okay. not by the end of the season, at least by the end of their uh, careers at Ohio state, um, book it. Noah Rogers as my hot take. Oof, any, any, okay. any, um, uh, line of thinking or this is literally just one of those like i have it in you know i, I feel it in me plums kind of uh kind of kind of hot take <laughs> i thought that i wasn't gonna say anything <laughs> off color tonight but that's as close as i'm gonna get you know we're, we're good there and i think that Corey over at you know you see like he I'm pretty sure he has him or had him higher than Tate as well. So it's not necessarily uncommon to have him higher than maybe one of these guys, but both, right? That's, that could be considered spicy, I would say. And well, some of the reasons behind Noah Rogers just being that that high for me is, is I really liked him as a recruit, honestly, like a very high four star, um, both the 247 and, and the composite rankings. I mean, he was the wide receiver three for on three. And I mean, it's a great class at the wide receiver position for, for him to be that high. That was pretty telling. And I did like his film. And I think he developed for those who think that, you know, maybe he didn't have the best route running or nuance to his game, the best development. I think he continued to build on that. I was more and more impressed by him even going into the senior year as far as his nuance as a wide receiver. He's still developing that, and he flashed really well as an early enrollee. I get it. He he wasn't quite with that same um, first team that Carnal Tate mixed into, but Noah Rogers was dominating in the, I believe, both the spring game and then also for the second team just in general, and he's already been making some plays now in the fall. So um, I I'm just very interested to see how this year plays out. Brandon Innes, I do like him, and I even like Carnell Tate 
um, a good amount as well. So it's like, what, what do you do with the three guys that they're all pretty darn talented? Who's going to win out? Um, I, I think that Noah Rogers is just a little bit slept on, honestly. And I, I don't love that. He's a very, very talented player. And I, I don't think that his testing speed is reflective of his on the field speed. I, I do think on the field, he's very, very um, functionally fast. I don't have concerns there. Is there room for all three? And that's the big question. Rogers and uh, Tate. Like, is this a scenario where we're looking back on this two years from now and saying, you know, this was a uh, kind of a landmark class for the Buckeyes at wide receiver? Yeah, no, that, that's a good question. And I think that there is room for all three, but however, is there room for all three to be like day one, day two guys? That, that's a different question, right? Ultimately, we've seen Ohio State just churn out the guys of late. I mean, and, and there's some overlapping as far as when they got their opportunity and when they broke out. And I think it's going to be the same with these guys because you see the class preceding them from last year, just not impressive, like Grays and all the burden and all those guys, right? That was just kind of a dud class and, and they didn't recruit as well, of course. I, I think maybe the other consideration is the guys who are coming in next year to Ohio State as well, which, you know, I mean, it, they're talented from everything that I've seen and I haven't done a deep dive, but that's what you guys are doing, um, breaking down the future recruits. So, man, it, it, it is a tough road, but honestly, I, I really like his talent. And I think that there is going to be room after this next year because I, I think it's obvious that Julian Fleming, Mecca Buka, Marvin Harrison Jr. should be all gone. I would be very surprised if all three of them were um, not gone, I guess, after this year. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Rogers amongst that group is the one who's being slept on the most. Uh, but I, I I did like a lot of his tape as well. It really comes down to like like Austin Astley, you know, is there room for all three of them? And I, I think we're going to find that out uh, pretty quickly. So uh, I, I like that call. That was spicy. That was spicy, though. I, there's a local, well, I think any kind of, you know, uh, a lot of Asian restaurants you go to, especially specifically Thai, they ask you for your spice level and it's usually out of five. I, I would order that. That's a three out of five. I think if I, if a I three? was looking at the menu, yeah, it's a, yeah. A, I think that's a four at some, least. Some of these places are, are real. You, you order a five and you're like, you need to go to the fire department after mm. that is hoes you that, for an hour. That's a good and point. I'm not, it's... we all know I don't have the most expansive palate here. So yeah, that's call, calling ch chicken, chicken tenders and, you know, carrot sticks are, are, are the, the <laughs> how far Colin hey, carrots goes. aren't green. I'm good with carrots. Exactly. All right. Well, Aaron, thank you for joining us uh, again here tonight. Again, at Aaron Wilcox 86 on Twitter. If you want to give him a follow there, uh, the host of the Debbie Devotional podcast is going to be uh, working with us over at C2C over the next couple of months. Aaron, um, I do just want to ask you before we get out of here, and I this is usually uh, – I messed up the order of this. Um, how long have you been doing Debbie content and kind of what got you into it uh, initially before we get you out of here? I know uh, that that's an awful wrap up question, but uh, that's, what, <laughs> that's what we're going to end with. So deal with we're going to end with the intro. <laughs> all right. We, we can do things differently. That's not a problem. Um, as far as when I first let's go back to when I first started playing Debbie, um, that, that was in college. So I, I'm trying to think maybe like 20 18 was first Debbie and then C2C have been doing that for about, this will be my third year with that. So ultimately um, really just kind of fell in love with the format and I, I have always liked player evaluation. So that's been a big just interest of mine for years, right? Scouting the rookies and, or the incoming, you know, rookies to the NFL. And then 
it kind of got into, well, well, let's start looking at these guys earlier and earlier when they're in college and evaluating them. And then that led me to Debbie leagues, now C to C leagues. And, and I love it all. So as far as content, you know, it's been not something I've consistently put out other than podcasting. Um, but at the end of the day, probably like two years, I would say of, of Devi content, uh, maybe the Devi devotional, maybe going on three years after the season. So yeah, I, I really like talking about all this stuff and always happy to, to answer questions. I, I'm active, somewhat active on Twitter and looking forward to being um, a contributor here. Awesome. Well, yeah, Aaron, thanks for, for hopping on here with us tonight. And we are uh, very much looking forward to uh, working with you here over the next couple of months. So yeah, Aaron Wilcox, um, and yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be, we'll be seeing you around. I- I'm oh, sure. Yeah. So, so thanks for hopping on here. This will not be your last appearance on, uh, on he's a been camp, on here before you, you were yeah. away on vacation, man. It's been here before. I'm just saying, I'm just saying <laughs> this is not going to be the last time people hear if I'm in. I'll be back. Uh, thanks again for having <laughs> me guys. I appreciate thanks, it. Absolutely. Thanks Aaron. All right, Colin. Um, we are going to get into the SEC West here, uh, or as SpongeBob and Patrick would say, the SEC West. Um, that, that's that's where we're at. Um, we we talked half the conference last week. We are going to talk the other half here this week. As always, we are going to give you some of the C two C winning edge uh, numbers, at least as how it relates uh, from a uh, just straight up talent uh power ranking perspective we're gonna try to give you guys uh as many of the names that we think are rosterable in a normal 12 team 45 man roster uh c2c league we are starting off with alabama and that feels uh like a treat quite frankly um just get your ice cream first i mean we've started off with some like bad and the teams quite frankly um but we do get alabama and as we mentioned on the last episode Last episode, uh, the, the other side of the SEC, I think the earliest is like F for Florida. Yeah. Uh, we get three A teams uh, on this side of uh, of the conference, and we'll start off with Alabama. Um, I think kind of the measuring stick of any uh, ascending or attempting to be ascending program uh, currently in college football. Right now we have their FBS Power ranking overall from a talent perspective at four. And remember, Georgia was at two, and they were tops in the SEC. Alabama is fourth, and they are second in the SEC. This is a team that I think if they had a legitimate, uh, proven quarterback on the team, that we would feel a lot differently about. And so I, I think a lot hinges on that position here for this year. And I think there are several candidates here for the job it sounds like right now as of 8 17 2023 jalen milrow is leading the race for the starter but i think there is still uh room for competition and i think if he's not performing during the regular season they will attempt to make the switch they do have behind him it sounds like ty simpson second year uh quarterback and then tyler buckner who they brought in from uh, Notre Dame has some familiarity with uh, the offense coordinator that Alabama brought in this offseason. Um, they're two freshmen, but I, I want to hold them away from this discussion for a second. Yeah. Do you agree with the Milrow one 
And then it sounds like maybe Simpson two, Buckner three, but we'll see how that plays out. I thought Buckner would be forcing himself into this conversation more, but it doesn't sound like that's necessarily the case. Yeah, I mean, I think when Buckner was when Buckner announced the transfer there, we were like, well, shit, I don't know who these guys who's going to start. I think we gave it like thirty three percent, thirty three. I cried myself to sleep that night, for the record, for I, yes. multiple nights actually, but I don't want to admit that on. Well, I have radio. that. I mean, I I was happy, but for a totally other reason. Um, you don't have any Jalen Milrow. Well, that and because you had to admit that you were wrong on a podcast. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that never happened. That doesn't sound like a thing that I did. Yeah. Oh, I have that audio saved. I run it on a loop throughout my house. It's what I listen to every morning. It's your white noise when you fall asleep at night. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. When So when Buckner transferred in, it was very cloudy as to who was actually going to be the starter. It does sound like Jalen Milrow has separated himself a little bit, but... I honestly think it's going to be a pretty short leash for, for any of these guys. I think if, if Jalen Milrow starts and he slips up, they're going to go to the next one. I, I think fairly quickly because it doesn't sound like there's a ton that is separating these guys right now. Um, so if you have, Jaylen they're all Mil- flawed, right? I mean, yeah. they're all they They all have an issue at, yeah. at minimum, you know, and none I, none of them I are think, great passers. And I think, you know, specifically where I thought that maybe Buckner was a little bit of a mystery box, which like all of them are mystery boxes, but Buckner has played what four games in four years or something. Like I I, I did think following his OC over, we could have seen like there there were there were definitely scenarios in which Buckner and there's still scenarios, but it's it sound like this is not going that way where Buckner steps in, takes the job, and by like week five is indispensable. I, I could have seen that happening. And as much as that would have kind of flummoxed me, I think that that was possible. Yeah, I <laughs> flummoxed is the right word here. Uh, I, that's I, I, I this... got the I've I've got my my uh, my thesaurus here tonight, so we're gonna play with some your, fun words. You got your word of the day calendar yes. open. It was flummoxed today or yesterday? That was Tuesday, actually. I didn't oh, okay. get it in that day, so gotcha. Yeah, no, I think flummoxed is is a good word here. Um, I mean, all these guys were decently high recruits. They're all very very similar quarterbacks in that they're very mobile they perform mostly off script but they're not great passers so like i said i think we could see a short hook for some of these guys i am not really investing in any of these guys at this point i i think that's fair and i think i've had a hard time uh deciding to to invest heavily in any of them even if like even if um like let let's just presume that um Jalen Milrow gets the job like do you feel so, uh, so good about him that you're that that's just you know okay Jalen Milrow got the job that's that's the buy like I I don't yeah. I don't hate it but I don't I I don't feel like a you know a really solid feeling in my gut about it no no not not feeling it in your plums or anything there um <laughs> that's a that's a that's a groundskeeper Willie, I think, uh, comment for anybody who's a big Simpsons fan from back in the day. We uh, actually, that's a funny story. Uh, not, it's not even a story. Um, so when Rock Band first came out, which for for anybody who's too young to remember that phenomenon, when it first launched, was like the next big thing. What, did you have Rock Band, Colin? Uh, I didn't have it, but I played it. Like it was a, I'm gonna come over to your house and play Rock Band kind of a thing. 
so our band was the Holy Shillelaghs, which was <laughs> like this this quote from uh, groundskeeper Willie on The Simpsons, which we thought was like the funniest thing ever growing up. We only got to watch it when we were uh, away on vacation with my grandparents uh, <laughs> until we hit a certain age. And then, you know, you know, whatever my parents. Game did. Game's always got you covered. Uh, ga- game Game and and what's the grandpa version of Game Game? I don't know. <laughs> they, I, I don't they, know. They, they, yeah, we watch The Simpsons on vacation all the time. So that we always thought that was the funniest thing ever. All right. Um, Back to Alabama, though. Freshman quarterbacks. Sounds like Dylan Lonergan. A little bit of a uh, little bit of buzz going here. He's he's had a couple of uh, nice practices. It sounded like he was gaining some steam after spring, and I actually in like some I play in I maybe three or four like twenty plus team leagues, and I do I did take Lonergan in one or two of them just to have him. If something were to happen, uh, the the problem with investing, and this is like probably way more time than this quarterback room deserved is they have Julian Sain coming in next year. And I don't think I love Julian Sain, but I think if you're looking for a quarterback to come in and just like grab this job and make it like a steady, uh, predictable thing. Like I, I think that uh, Sain is your guy, because if you're talking about, Milrose, Simpson, Buckner, Laundergan is probably the closest to that. But then you you toss in the other true freshman there, Eli Holstein, who um, David saw at Elite 11 finals and basically said he's a fullback trying to attempt to play quarterback. (laughs) um, Is that there's like those are those all seem like swing for the fences kind of players for the most part, except for again, Laundergan. Um, but I think Saiyan is kind of the, the opposite of that. Like you're almost returning to the, and I think he's more dynamic than this, but kind of those early 2010s Alabama quarterback rooms. McElroy. Yes. uh, Who is the guy that, uh, that Musburger couldn't get over his girlfriend in the stands? Oh man. Who was that? (laughs) He's a, Uh. he has, he has has literally the, like, and I, I'm, I'm going to keep this like, uh, like just a, a tame version of this. He has literally the worst tattoo I've ever seen on his chest. <laughs> like, I don't remember who that was. I remember Jake Coker was there. Yes. Greg Mac there. And so was McElroy. And I think it was the guy uh, after him. Uh, yeah. I'm forgetting the name and I, I, I welcome it. I usually get grumpy when someone tells me I was wrong on the show, but um, someone will say it in the chant, the, the, the discord tomorrow and, and I'll, it'll be very yeah. obvious and I'll, I'll smack myself in the head. But um, yeah, so like I, I think we're returning toward that side of things more than the Jalen Hurts, Bryce Young, I, and Mac Jones kind of sandwiched in there for a year. But I don't think they intended for Mac Jones to start either when they recruited him. So I, I think there, it's kind of a, a return to a familiar, uh, safer environment as opposed to the kind of upside swings they've been taking over the past couple of years, which worked to an extent. But now we have this room in front of us, and so maybe uh, – not so much moving forward. Yeah, when you miss on a couple of those guys in a row, it can definitely set you back. You can miss on one. Yeah, missing on five is <laughs> uh, is, is a little rough at some point. Yeah. Um, you know who they haven't missed on five of, though, is the running, running backs, backs they've had coming in. Yes. Uh, nice segue. That was a pro freaking segue. And then I'm unprofessional <laughs> by 
by calling it out. Yeah. You know, patting yourself on the back. The yin and yang uh, as as it moves. And I was actually about to to compliment that segue until you just complimented yourself. So my wife's not very supportive. I've grown into complimenting myself. Don't don't you don't you dare say that about Kelsey. (laughs) She doesn't listen to the show. I I know she doesn't. I know she doesn't. She listened to one. Um, and she she listened, and she, the only name she pulled away was Jermaine Burton because that's her maiden name is Burton, uh, and now she thinks yeah. Jermaine Burton's good. And we're about to talk about him in a second. Oh no, <laughs> I've had to break that to her. Yeah, man, we should. You almost segued perfectly if we had actually talked about the running backs. We would have the running backs. Um, there's there's a handful here. There 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 are I think legitimately five in the backfield right now that are interesting. Uh, to varying degrees. Jace McClellan, I think we both expect to be the starter this year. I think there is legitimate Josh Jacobs upside with this guy, whereas a guy that you're drafting him and Josh Jacobs, for anybody that was around at that time, you were taking him like the 40th round of a startup and he was a first round NFL draft pick. Like you hit a home run yeah. with that. Um, but I, I J- McClellan's going earlier because I think as a whole, we're all smarter than we were a few years ago. But McClellan has the receiving chops, the athletic ability, and he's going to be the starter for Bama. Like, I, I it, yeah, okay, call me stupid, but I just think it's really hard to fade the A on the side of the helmet when it's coming to projecting NFL draft capital. Like, I, I, I just think it's a legitimate argument for why some of these guys, maybe even if you think he's a top 80 pick, inches into the top 50. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I think that um, the the A on the side of the helmet is difficult to ignore. I mean, we even saw Brian Robinson go in the third round, right? It was like late third round. And I think he was the least talented overall out of the like Bama backs that have come through there most recently. Jace McClellan, way more talented, way more athletic. He had the highest spark score uh, in his uh, class, catches passes very well. Yes, I, I think he is not going – I shouldn't say he's not going to be a bell cow because I think he is going to get like 200 carries, like maybe like right around that 200 carry mark because um, I think they're going to have to lean on the run game. But, yeah, he's going to split a backfield a little bit with Roy Dell Williams. He's going to split some carries with Jam Miller and Justice Haynes and Richard Young. They'll all get a smattering of carries here and there. But Jace McClellan, I think, is going to be the guy. I think he's going to have – a monster year this year and it really would not shock me to see him end up as maybe even the rb1 in this class in terms of nfl draft capital you know like we have a couple concerns about travion we need to see it again this year just to kind of reaffirm what we saw the freshman year um but i think jace mcclellan is just a very safe projection to the nfl right now and we have been preaching it since the end of last year that he was undervalued. And I think he still is a little bit. I think at this point you can argue, um, you know, exactly how highly you should have Jason McClellan, but I think the guys behind him are where the real debate starts. Yeah. And you were talking jam Miller uh, the second year running back there, uh, we're talking Justice Haynes, the true freshman who has uh, impressed uh, through uh, the spring at least. And it sounds like, you know, maybe he's gets some run this year. You've got true freshman Richard Young. And I think he's the guy that I 
Uh, really question whether he plays a lot this year. We don't care about that for running backs, quite frankly, so I'm not off of Richard Young based on it. And then you have Roydell Williams, too. And I think Roy- – what are you laughing at? <laughs> what are you laughing at? Just get on. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I, no, what do you – I, I want to hear what's funny. Am I funny? Am I, like, am I a clown? You're funny like a clown? No. Um, I just think that I didn't even put Roydell Williams on the sheet. Yeah, you didn't. Uh, but you but, you you underestimated me. I brought him up anyway. You did. <laughs> I so here's my thing with Roydell Williams. Is Roydell Williams a significantly worse back than Brian Robinson was? We had no idea what Brian Robinson was until basically the entire backfield cleared out and he got a shot late in his career in Alabama. I don't think either of us would say that Brian Robinson is. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. I think <laughs> objectively, like, is he quote unquote good? Yeah, probably. But like, he's the you know. he embodies the NERB on a 53. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great, that's a great way to put it. I mean, I just think he's there, like, quite frankly. And I don't think that Roy Dell is like significantly worse. Like, if you're just handing it, if your goal for Roy Dell Williams is to get inside the 20 yard line, hand him the ball, and let him just run up the gut. I think Roy Dell is actually really, really good at that. Is he a great receiver? No. Is he going to, you know, is he a ton of wiggle on the open field? No. Uh, and I didn't intend for this to turn into a Roy Dell Williams discussion until Colin laughed at me, but he's there too. <laughs> so I don't know, Colin, pick up a piece of this other four person backup backfield and talk away. I think the first point to talk about is jam miller because we can get into those freshmen in a moment but we do need to talk about jam miller who's a guy that a lot of us liked last year i think felix had him as like his rb2 or three in the class he was a top five running back for me he was just behind those like top guys i'm pretty sure i had him fifth um he was just behind those those tier one guys and so he's very talented i i think he is he offers a similar skill set to jace mcclellan which is the problem because I laughed about Roy Dell, but he does have a skill set that's different than McClellan. He offers something unique. Um, and Jam Miller is just kind of redundant right now. So he's going to have to be the guy who waits his turn and sits there. And, you know, does he take over next year after Jace McClellan leaves? Is it like, just going to be a continuous succession plan or does he get jumped by one of these freshmen behind him and does he have to maybe transfer out or something? I think that's the big question now. And, you know, kind of Aaron discussed a little bit of that earlier in the show, but there's, there's definitely some risk with Jam Miller, but he could also just be the next in line in Bama. And you talked about the a mattering on that helmet and he has some other good skill sets too. So uh, Jam Miller is I think the most interesting player in this backfield right now. I think it's worth discussion because we, so we were just in recently in a very, very sharp mm-hmm. startup, uh, 12 teams. Uh, you started to start three quarterbacks, but other than that, uh, mostly uh, normal starting requirements and, and kind of things. And, and Jam Miller fell pretty far. And I think, um, uh, Mike Valerie specifically gave us a hard time on it and why I, I, I want to, I, this isn't a, um, you know, a clap back at, at Mike or anything. No, I think it is clap, clap at him. 
<laughs> suck on these plums, Mike. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> um, what where I think the the disconnect was is that I think Miller is a player that if you like legit just made me decide on a player that I I'm very confident has uh, value either way. NFL or or college over the next couple of years, I have Jam Miller in my top 10, and that's where I have him in my current rankings. Where I, I do think uh the the disconnect is is that um depending on your team structure and, and your league mates, he's not going to provide anything this year. Yeah. I, I feel pretty confident in that. Even if McClellan goes down, I think it's more committee. Depending on what his his injury is, I, I I don't feel great about him this year. I I think his career can go the way of Jerome Ford. It okay. is the comp I've been using. Where this is a guy that, and for the record, like Jerome Ford in an alternate reality works out at Alabama and is a very good player there for them. I think Jerome Ford is a very competent quality back who is a good NFL back too. But if we're talking just a guy that uh, it doesn't really ever click on all cylinders for him in Alabama. So he transfers to another pretty good school is excellent for that school and then gets drafted in the NFL and holds NFL value. Yeah. I think Jam Miller, like that's the floor. Jerome Ford is the floor for Jam okay. Miller. So I think he's a very safe player in certain leagues where I just need to maneuver what my league mates are doing and, and build a roster a certain way. I can definitely see why he fell. And for the record in that league, I think he went in the ninth round. And if somebody had not taken him with that pick, I would have taken him with my next pick. I just, uh, he doesn't uh, fit firmly into the full Debbie or full CFF category, which is why I think he's a little more difficult, but I, I still have him as a top 10 running back. And I, I still very, very much, uh, think he's if I have him on rosters, I like him on rosters. I'm fine with him sitting there over the next couple of years. Yeah, I'm fine with him sitting there as well. I, I do think the um, Jerome Ford as the as the floor comparison is very interesting. I, I can definitely see that. It's not something I had really thought about before, but uh, I like that call there. And yeah, I, I think that he is a difficult player to about to value right now because it does really depend on your league and your roster structure right now um you know you're talking about in that uh, startup that we did with the with, you know a lot of sharp people in that one um the pivot to cff was was earlier than normal so that pushed jam further and further down the board and that you know it just really depended on the team build there at that point and and the reason he kept falling is because people were looking at cff um you know and i thought mike got good value there with him because i think he will uh bounce back and, and have some value I'm just not exactly sure. Is it going to be at Alabama 100%? Is it going to be somewhere else? Um, I, I don't entirely know. But I do like Jim Miller's talent. And I do think he is underrated right now. The wide receivers, it, uh, it's, um, it's a full room. But is it a good room? I, I don't really know. If we're talking, I think the expectation going into the year is for... Uh, and I talked about this on a, uh, I think a CTN episode about a month ago when I was on there, I think kind of the, the floor guys who do know the offense and know what they, uh, their role is, are going to get some looks early because of the uncertainty at the quarterback position, quite frankly. And so that probably elevates guys like Jermaine Burton, 
like Ja'Cory Brooks uh, a little more because I think we know what they are at this point. Um, and certainly they could um, surprise a little bit this year and kind of be what we thought they would be uh, to some extent. But I, I don't expect that. that. That's not my expectation for them. Behind them, I think, is actually the more interesting debate. And I think it's the third receiver, Malik Benson versus Isaiah Bond. And I think they do and offer different things. And actually, over the course of the year, if Burton or Brooks aren't great, I could see Benson stepping in for one of those two and kind of uh, changing the dynamic here. But right now, um, you know, Malik Benson, Juco, um, you know, a, a, a third-year guy, so he's eligible after this year uh, for the NFL draft, um, is is uh, a really good athlete and kind of more of an all-rounder, whereas Isaiah Bond is a – 99th percentile speed guy who can win deep uh, for Alabama and bond literally, I think has a skill set that nobody else on this team has. So I, I think it's an interesting debate. Yeah. I think bond has a, a skill, a unique skill set on here. And I think that's, what's ultimately going to get him the wide receiver three role. But I think Malik Benson could be the most talented player in this wide receiver room. So, that's where I, I have a lot of I, I have some difficulties valuing Benson right now because I do think Burton and Brooks are I don't think they're great, but I think they have the seniority and they are what they 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 am <laughs> what they am. Yeah. And they are just good enough that you probably don't bench them for Benson. They're I think they will both at the end of the day get drafted into the NFL. They're probably day three guys, although, you know, we'll see what Burton ends up running. Um, but I think they're both probably day three guys. But like I said, they're just good enough to keep Benson off of the field. And that's another problem I have. I, I've been taking Benson when the value is there. So I do have a decent amount of Benson right now because I really like his skill set. But I'm just not th – this wide receiver room is very – crowded with a lot of players who are good not great and there's just nobody who's who can step who i think could step up and be the guy and i think benson could do that but right now i don't think that's going to happen this year i think that's going to have to be a next year thing i i um i have found myself gravitating slightly toward bond of that Benson Bond group, but I think both are really, really interesting. Um, and then just kind of tossing out, see the some some names behind them as players that are that exist. Uh, Kobe Prentice, who I uh, wrote a long uh, sell article for back in January, February. Uh, Kendrick Law, I, I don't know. It sounds like he's been okay over the past uh, or over the offseason. Jalen Hale, a true freshman. Uh, Jaron Jaron Hamilton, also a true freshman. Then Shaz Preston, which um, actually like as a guy, like he just got no run last year, which surprised me a little bit with how weak this wide receiver room was overall, but I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the tight ends, I mean, CJ Dupree transfers in and then Amari Nyblack, who apparently scored two touchdowns, uh, in their scrimmages past weekend. My, my thing with Nyblack and I will admit this is a thousand percent. Uh, I have been burned in the past. Uh, for anybody that remembers a couple off seasons ago when Jaleel Billingsley was supposed to be a thing there at tight end for Alabama as kind of a move guy, uh, they listed him at 230. And first off, if you literally sat down and watched Alabama spring game, you said, this guy is nowhere close to 230. 
And when he measured in this offseason, he measured in a 219 for the NFL. Like this is this is not a real tight end. I fear Nye Black's the same thing. And so for me, I'm not I'm not interested at all because of the size, but this is uh potentially a thousand percent a bias thing for me. Yeah, I think the thing with Nye Black is the size as well, but it does sound like he's performing really well. I think that Nye Black is probably more of a move tight end and that's just not really a position that Alabama has used all that much so it would be a little bit of a departure from their normal archetype you know their Cameron Latu's type of a guy um but I think Dupree is probably more the inline guy so I do like Dupree I think there's definitely some intrigue there he flashed at times at Maryland and he, he had a decent year there so I am taking Dupree late in some drafts. If uh, he's in that bucket of tight ends where if I don't have one that I feel good about and I want to roster like five tight ends that I can use as a rotation, Dupree ends up in that bucket. Um, Nye Black has not to this point, but I think Nye Black does have a higher ceiling than Dupree. So if you want to take that swing, I understand it. I think that wraps up. Alabama, let's head over to Arkansas. There are three A-teams in this. It's just so bizarre. There are. Um, Arkansas, the next team up here, and I find them to be the not like I don't want to say most interesting or like 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 the the team that just the the expectations could wildly shift depending on where the wind is blowing on any given day. They are the 22nd overall team in the FBS power rankings on the C2C winning edge and seventh. Overall in the SEC, I mean, this is this is in the MAC. We're we're, we're dealing with some big boys here. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, KJ Jefferson is obviously the quarterback. He has, I think that the the comment to make with him is he has two years if he wants it. And as somebody who has actually really defended KJ Jefferson over the past couple of years, he, I, I don't think he's like the NFL is calling him. This is a guy that I think uses his eligibility, which I think hurts guys like Jacoby Criswell, who transferred there this offseason from at UNC, a guy that we that we like quite a bit, and then Malachi Singleton, the true freshman as well. Like I just think this kind of buries both of them. Um, and if you're Arkansas, like after this year, like I'm not that upset about kind of pushing KJ Jefferson out the door. I, I get what he's done, but I think you he he is proven that he's good but he's clearly not the guy to kind of push you to that next level yeah i know um cory Pereira is a big kj jefferson uh, fan and, and i don't want to say big kj jefferson fan but he's somebody who has continuously said that he believes that he can make an nfl roster and could surprise in the nfl i think late the latest episode of back to debbie he kind of talked about him as like a uh, tyler huntley type of a guy uh i but i think he is just somebody who's going to be a really good college quarterback and that tyler huntley archetype of quarterback doesn't often stick around as a backup in the league unless they're the backup at a very specific system like huntley is in baltimore that, so that, that is pro that is pro bowler tyler huntley to you by the way that's a fair point fair point uh, maybe I'm not giving Tyler Huntley enough credit here. No, but... you, you actually gave him more than he deserves. So you're good. <laughs> you're good. Um, 
so that that's probably my biggest concern with KJ Jefferson. But I think he's going to have a very nice year this year. Uh, like he has the past couple of years. And then what? Apparently he has another year left too somehow. Is that right? Is he one of those guys that were surprised? I just said he has two years left. You didn't listen to that word I said. No, I'm too busy uh, just goading Mike and yeah, telling him he I can't. Know. Can't wait to hear what he what he says when he hears the, the uh, suck on these plums. <laughs> um, yeah, so apparently two years left, uh, which I think muddies the situation for the other backup quarterbacks. Running backs here on the roster again. I think this there's very little argument here for the top guy, which is Rocket Sanders. Uh, there are some like weird rumors that the NFL doesn't love him as much, which is I think. You should never be surprised by that. It is conceivable, but a guy that's probably two thirty and runs a sub or you know a, a sub four five five at worst. Um, I'm I'm not super worried about him. Unlike a guy like you know Isaiah Spiller who who couldn't get near that. Um, but I actually think that interesting discussion behind him, and it sounds like the, the who the backup is. It sounds like AJ Green is going to be the backup. This is such a weird backfield because I think anytime you think you have a a kind of like a beat in on who is the ne- the the second guy, they just totally flip it. Whatever the next uh, you know uh, spring or, or fall or, or in season is, I I thought based on last season that it would probably be Dominion. Well, really going into last season it was supposed to be Dominic Johnson who then got yeah. hurt, and I actually feel bad for Dominic Johnson because it sounds like he's not even a factor anymore but I think he could have been if he hadn't gotten hurt last year. But it sounds like A.J. Green is the backup. He was an athlete who came in with Raheem Sanders and was an equally intriguing athlete for different reasons. And then it sounds like Dabinion, Rashad Dabinion's on the running with the third team. And then August Stave, the true freshman, is probably like, I don't think he's in real consideration for this year. I also don't think we expected him to be in real consideration for this year. No, I didn't really expect him to be in consideration for this year. You know, I, I think he's um, very, I think he has a similar skill set to AJ Green. Um, but I, th- I think with Rashad Dabinian, he's the, he has a, the bigger skill set. He's the bigger body guy. He's like 5'10", 216 is what he's listed at. So a- AJ Green's a little bit smaller. Gustave is a little bit sl- more slender as well. So that's why I do tend to lean that even despite whatever like the depth chart is showing right now with Sanders at the one and Green at the two and maybe Dabinian as the third back. I think if anything happens to Sanders or as Sanders leaves next year, Dabinian will be the next lead guy in this backfield. I think A.J. Green has a role, but I don't think it's a prominent like bleed back role. I think he's just a very good change of pace back. And I think that's kind of where I'm at with Augustave as well. He's going to need to put on a little bit of weight, um, but I think he could be a very good change of pace back. So I have been operating under the assumption that Rashad, Rashad Dubinian will be next up there. And that's why I have him ranked as my, my RB 57 right now. So I am fairly high on Dubinian because I did really like what we saw in that uh, bowl game. Um. Uh, I, the wide receivers are kind of the other discussion here. And I, well, I think uh, they usually end up having a guy uh, that can be really, really interesting. It sounds like Sam and Bakke, who 
this dude has the wildest story. At first, the record, I am not an Mbake fan at all, but went from like, I think he's a bum to he's shifted a cornerback to like now he's running with the widers, like the, the first team at offense. I don't understand what was going on with him, but it does, he's, he's going to miss this year with a knee injury. So, Isaiah Setegna, maybe, maybe Broden, maybe Isaac Tesla. I, I, I'm at a loss here. I, I do think Setegna is worth holding if you have him because um, he's fast and, and they they sound like they've liked him so far this offseason. But, man, I just – this feels like uh, – who was their big guy last year that came in? Um, formerly of – he went Georgia to Kent State or Toledo and then oh, down to Matt- – Matt Landers? Yes, Landers. Thank you. Um, like this feels like a Landers situation again where we don't really know who the guy is today, but I think there will be a guy eventually because all that KJ Jefferson wants to do is work the ball deep. And I think that's all he can do like in a base level at some point. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what helps Satania because of that speed that he has. So uh, I think he can operate deep there. I don't... I honestly don't really know that much about Isaac Tesla. He's coming up from the FCS level. So all I know is kind of what I've been hearing about him in practices. And it it does sound like he has been playing well, which is why I added him to the sheet, put the question mark on there. But if I have to roster anybody on this team, it would be Satania at the wide receiver position. And the tight end, uh, Varkis Gums, Luke Haas, um, I, uh, I think both are interesting and depending on how your roster build is going, I could see rostering either. I think the big thing on Haas is that he's uh, very undersized at this stage and I will never say never, but just based, he's like 6'3", like 225, 230. I, I'm not sure that's a frame that's getting to uh, NFL level uh, kind of thresholds there for uh, tight ends. Yeah, that is something I'm worried about with him. But he has been getting a steady amount of drum, uh, positive drum beats this this spring and even into the fall here. Which, So I think he's definitely worth like keeping an eye on for sure. Um, but yeah, I do share the same size concerns. Uh, Auburn, 41st overall in the FBS power ranking. We could from, save some time here. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is where we, we move. Uh, 11th SEC power ranking. Um, Peyton Thorne transfers in, and they have Robbie Ashford. Uh, Felix did a video a couple of weeks ago, um, which almost got his uh, ownership of the company uh, stripped from him. We took it. We held a vote. We, it we was, did. It was, and it was very, very close. Unfortunately, it had to be unanimous. And Felix uh, almost we almost talked him into to voting himself out. But yeah, uh, he, he didn't go for it <laughs> in the end uh, about Robbie Ashford and Ra- Ashford's, you know, athletic. But we talked about this last episode. It is so or maybe two episodes ago. It is so hard to balance a player that is just objectively an awful football player versus what a system can do for them. But I think if once you start getting to a school like Auburn, this is not a school where I'm willing to try it, uh, quite frankly, because there could be a rude awakening in SEC. And Ashford was a poopy last year. <laughs> yeah, Ashford is not good. Uh, it does sound like Peyton Thorne um, has been named the starter. But Peyton Thorne also hasn't really been that good from practice reports either. Um, so I don't really think I want anybody this year. I think this is going to be a transfer quarterback destination next year. And then whoever they bring in will compete with Holton, Holden uh, Gariner, 
who apparently has had a little bit of buzz here. He's a guy from last year's class. Uh, and then the incoming quarterback, Walker White, who I have not watched personally yet. I am just now dipping my toes into the recruiting class. Um, I have not watched Walker White yet, so but long? friend of the show. What took me so long? I'm doing all this other stuff. Other all stuff. This, all can't, this you can't stuff. get more specific than that, but it's other stuff, people. Okay. I do I do back end of the website stuff, which is okay. just a fancy way of saying that uh I my job is like Barney from How I Met Your Mother when people well, ask I thought you were like, gonna say I like do, dinosaur. I, I love no. you, you love me. Um, which is your job. It is my job, yeah. Um, I'm I'm not uh making light of the work you do, Colin. I want I want that to be known. <laughs> I want that to be known. Um I think you're I think you're you're uh a loser in other ways, but not that one. Um I will take that, I suppose. Thank you. Um running back, um, so Jarquez Hunter, I'm we're not gonna get into the allegations, but they weren't great. This offseason, yeah. but he's back practicing, and this is just Hugh Freeze to a T. And if that upsets you, then I think you need to go uh, take a long look in a mirror uh, and, and think a little bit about what you're doing with your life. Um, so it sounds like Hunter is probably going to be playing pretty early this year. Um, I was scooping up some Damari Alston this offseason just in case uh, Hugh Freeze actually got a, grew a conscience and decided to do the right <laughs> thing for like the first time in his life. But it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. Um, so, and then uh, behind him, I don't think Jeremiah Cobb or Brian Batie are players that I'm interested in at all at this stage. Yeah. I think with Jarquez Hunter, that whole incident happened early enough in the off season that Hugh Freeze can now just, uh, no comment, no comment, no comment. Okay. He's back at practice. Uh, and yeah, we're, we're just going to ride this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was scooping up some Damari Olsen as well. And it, for what it's worth, it, it, he did have some good, uh, good reports in spring and early in fall camp as well. So I think there is uh, DeMar, there I'm definitely still interested in Damari Alston um, because, yeah, it doesn't sound like Jarquez Hunter is going to have any sort of disciplinary action. But I also don't think Jarquez Hunter is like great either. So I can see Damari Alston like carving out a role. But yeah, as far as Cobb and Batie go, Batie way too small. Uh, and then Cobb as a freshman uh, is a guy that I I, I do like the skill set overall. I think he could be solid, but he's like at the bottom end of like an SEC caliber running back. So I don't love Cobb. Um, if I'm rooting against Auburn very hard this offseason for for a wide variety of reasons, but most of them rhyme with, uh, you know, view breeze. So oh. <laughs> um, we'll we'll move on from there. Guy, rhyme total. with Drew Breeze. <laughs> oh, it does rhyme with Drew Breeze. <laughs> we missed that. Um, it was right there. All right. Edit yeah. that out. We'll go back around. And okay. We'll yeah. Nail yeah, the yeah, joke yeah, on the second yeah. time. Let's move back. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have any receivers or tight ends that I'm interested in here. Uh, I think we can name some names. Yeah. I wouldn't roster them. Cam Brown, Caleb Burton. Uh, Caleb Burton won't stay healthy. Just I can straight up say it. Anybody who's excited for Caleb Burton hasn't been paying attention the past two years to what he's become as a guy that I loved his, you know, after sophomore season of high school. He's just not the same guy anymore. And then Rivaldo Fairweather transfers in from um, FIU, FAU. FI. FI, thank you. Yeah. Um, they're basically no, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to get myself in trouble. <laughs> um, that, 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 those are the receiving options here. 
Yeah, I, I don't think there's really anybody in the receiving room that I'm all that interested in. I know Cam Brown, Camden Brown is one of Mike's misfits. If you if I had to roster somebody from this Auburn receiving group, it would be Cam Brown. But fortunately, I'm not in a position where I have to roster Cam Brown anywhere because nobody has a gun to my head. So uh yeah, I don't have to I don't have to take Cam, Cam Brown anywhere. Caleb Burton can't stay healthy. Not really interested in anybody else in that wide receiver room. Rivaldo Fairweather mildly intriguing, but I'm still probably not rostering him in a normal league. If it's like a 20 teamer, then yeah, I would probably take a shot on him. But um I think that's all we need to say. Uh LSU LSU 10th in the FBS power ranking, third in the SEC power ranking. They finished uh, up last year, I think, stronger than we thought we would. they would, although obviously the tough loss to Texas A&M, who was objectively not a good team last year. Uh, the quarterbacks, I, I think uh, I'm actually – it really depends on where Jaden Daniels is going because uh, I think he can be productive this year. But I also really like Garrett Nussmeyer. And moving forward, Garrett Nussmeyer, I've talked about it on a couple of these shows, is in my 9 to 10 quarterback uh, clump that I'm trying to stash at least two of in every league. And Nussmeyer, I think of all the stash quarterbacks that are in that tier, I have the most of. I have so much Garrett Nussmeyer. I, I, I think he's going to be an excellent quarterback for LSU. And there is a uh, not a bad chance that he ends up being a legitimate NFL prospect, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, Andy Pham was a big fan. Um, he said, uh, you know, that was one of his bold predictions. Yeah, he copied you... me. It's fine. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I, Garrett Nussmeyer is a guy that I've been flamed for, for being too low on him. I had him, I believe, during the QB ranking summit, like QB 82. Uh, he is now up at QB 73. So I have moved him up a couple spots, but I have also dropped people behind him. People that I just I drop behind him, Tyler Buckner, Ty Simpson, given the kind of way that that's trending right now. Um, Caden Salter doesn't sound like he's going to start. It sounds like it's going to be Jonathan Bennett. So I've dropped those guys down below him. Uh, Sam Jackson has also now dropped down below him. So he has risen a couple spots, but there are also guys who just kind of drop behind him because I don't I don't love Garrett Nussmeyer. I think he's fine. Um, but I, he doesn't offer the the fantasy ceiling that Jaden Daniels does, given Jaden Daniels' legs. And I think Daniels ran for like twelve or twelve touchdowns or something like that last year, and like almost eight hundred yards. So Garrett Nussmeyer is not going to do that, and that's the only reason that I'm really that interested in Jaden Daniels is because of the the rushing ability for for CFF purposes. I mean, maybe when Nussmeyer actually gets a shot on the field, it does sound like he's been been decent, you know. So maybe he can carve out uh some nfl draft capital there but i am not betting on it at this point personally garrett nussmeyer preston stone one two in the 2025 nfl draft that's where we're headed uh drew Allar. yeah drew Allar stinks compared to garrett nussmeyer preston stone <laughs> uh um, if we're in any leagues i'll trade you them straight up the two of them for the one no no no, no. Okay. one for one I would find it very hard to believe that the two of us would be in a league together where I don't hold one of Preston Stone or Garrett Nussmeyer for you to make that trade in the first place. So, That's um, a fair point. Uh, running backs, I uh, 
So my top, my clear top two in this backfield are Logan Diggs, the transfer in from Notre Dame, and then Caleb Jackson, the 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 true freshman. I think after that, I'm not interested in anybody else. John Emery Jr. uh, has not been academically eligible for the past 18 months, and it doesn't sound like they've officially finalized any sort of uh, solution there. And then you've got just not good players behind them quite frankly so i think it's Diggs or jackson and then i don't care about anybody else here yeah no i actually i I do agree with that i added the other names in the list just because their names josh williams was a i think a walk-on and he showed okay you know last year um and then noah kane former penn state running back transfers in um John Emery, like you touched on with the academic abil- uh, eligibility, we don't really know what that is. So I do think it's going to be Diggs, the primary ball carrier this year. I think Emery, Williams, and Kane, and even Armani Goodwin is still there too. I think those guys are going to siphon off some carries. Uh, but the bigger threat to Diggs this year is Jaden Daniels. I talked about his rushing ability. So I do like Diggs. I think he's the most talented player in that room. I have been drafting him this offseason because he has been too cheap. But I am tempering my expectations for CFF production this year. Um, and then I do think Caleb Jackson is probably the future of that room. I like Caleb Jackson. Um, he's I, I think he's going to be a good fit in this offense. Um, and I do think he's like an SEC caliber back. So I think he's the future of that room. The wide receiver room here, I think, is really interesting because I think there is a clear, uh, at least from the coaching staff's perspective, number one in Malik Neighbors. Uh, who yeah. is a guy who actually crushed the year one zero thresholds and was a kind of a sleeper name for us last off season. I have a lot uh, of neighbors because of that. It's one of those, like <laughs> I like the cost last off season. I hate it cost this off season. Yeah. And I think that's, um, I, I think not enough people are willing to kind of negotiate uh, those kind of nuances uh, yeah. for some of these players. Uh, but beyond him, I think it's really uh, kind of a dealer's choice and going to really depend on what the coaching staff once they have uh, the C2C winning edge stuff has Brian Thomas Jr. and Kyron Lacey as their projected starters. But like, I think if you if you suggested tomorrow that any of uh, Chris Hilton, uh, Aaron Anderson, even Shelton Sampson, the true freshman there uh, were to get a significant amount of run, I don't think you would get a lot of pushback there on any of those. And it sounds like Sampson has been up and down so far as the borderline five star guy. Uh, coming in in this class. I actually think of the non-neighbors players here, Aaron Anderson is the most interesting because I think he does offer something that nobody else on this team offers today. Kind of like Eugene Wilson is at Florida, but with uh, uh, not not a walking uh, stick of doo-doo at quarterback <laughs> and then um, like some other competent players at wide receiver with him. Yeah, I agree. I think Aaron Anderson is interesting because you're right. He does offer a skill set that nobody else in this room offers. And I think that's going to carve out some playing time for him, even if they do kind of insist on trotting out Brian Thomas Jr. Kyron Lacey as the other two starters. Aaron Anderson will have a role. My problem is I don't really like uh, Jaden Daniels in terms as a passer. I don't think he could support more than one fantasy relevant option. And I think that's going to be neighbors. We show they they had a good connection last year. Um, So I think Aaron Anderson is a play for next year. And I think his value will be probably dirt cheap. 
by next year. It's very cheap now. I think it's going to be even cheaper next year. You may be able to pick up Aaron Anderson at supplementals next year, I think. Um, so I do think he's very interesting for 2024. Uh, the other guy, though, that I like is Shelton Sampson Jr., the true freshman. And I think he is probably the future of this room. You're you're a fan of his as well, right? Uh yeah. I don't know. Define fan. Uh, you have his jersey. <laughs> uh, the only LSU jersey I have is this nice uh, Keyshawn Butte signed one that's sitting here beside me. All right. Well, when Shelton Sampson helps you win a championship, you can get his too. I don't think I've drafted Sampson in a single league this year. I really wanted to draft him in my CFF Dynasty League that's drafting right now, uh, but he went a couple picks before me, so I had to settle for Jambres Dubar. <laughs> I, I thought he took him in one of ours. Maybe you, not. You need to see the roster that I've put together in the CFF Dynasty League on like my draft for this year. I literally took Mark Fletcher like in the second round. Mark Fletcher in the second round. I you. took Mark Fletcher in the second round of a CFF dynasty. Totally different format. Totally different format for the record, people. Uh, I took Fletcher there. I, I've taken um, – oh, who else have I taken in this draft? It's my literally my lone CFF dynasty. Uh, who have I taken in this draft? I have the draft room right here. I've snagged um, – I took Jonte Cook in the first round. I've taken Dubar – who I have been very vocally against, Mark Fletcher, Jeremiah Love, and Nathaniel Joseph. Those are my picks so far. And I, Interesting. I, I li Interesting. literally don't even feel bad about any of those picks. I mean, we'll see when when Nate uh, flames you in the in the chat tomorrow after he listens to that. We'll see. He, uh, so <laughs> he actually has liked my first two picks. And uh, after I took Mark Fletcher, uh, a certain uh, big-time CFF analyst whose last name rhymes with Bavalier, uh offered me Raheem Sanders <laughs> for... Uh, You're killing the rhyming game today, by the way. I am, for Jonathan Brooks and, uh, and Fletcher. And I, I said, poo-poo, uh, go away. Okay. Um, what, tight end room next. Um Mason Taylor actually, I think, is, is very interesting. He's like a top five, six-ish tight end. I for think me. he's okay. Like, I, I think I don't know where the hype has come from because besides the fact that he's Jason Taylor's, Jason Taylor's kid. kid. Yeah, we've got Brandon Rice's kid. We got Jason Taylor's kid. We've got uh, Emmett Smith's kid. Who, whose other kids do we? Marvin Harrison's kid. What other kids mm -hmm. do we have here? Um, Shador Sanders is Dion's kid. That's there you go. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we're we're it's it's teetering on unsustainable here. There's some other ones too. I think I can't think of any now. Oh, J uh, Jimmy Horn Jr. is Joe Horn's <laughs> kid. <laughs> yes, Jimmy Horn Jr. Uh, famously of uh, not Jimmy Horn's his dad. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I mean, I, I think he's he's solid and. You know, the offense that they run, Brian Kelly and um, Denbrock run, does utilize the tight end. So I think there is some dual CFF and NFL potential for him. I don't think he's going to be a high-end CFF option, but if I have to start him, I'm probably not, like, crying and tearing my team down. Um, so I think that's a lot of the the appeal there. And I, and I think there's an NFL skill set there. You know, he's probably not a high-end guy, um, he's probably just one of those guys that falls in the bucket as 
you know, in the NFL, he's anywhere from tight end seven to tight end 27, because that's kind of how the position goes. Uh, let's go to Mississippi State. Um, this will be a quick one. Too. This is a very quick one. <laughs> and I feel bad because yeah. if we're talking with Mike Leach there, I think this is a very different yeah. proposition. And uh, obviously, just not what we expect to be talking about this offseason at all uh, for Mississippi State. 34th overall in the FBS power rankings, 10th in the SEC power rankings. And I think. Man, Mike Leach always just made, you know, chicken salad out of chicken, you know what, um, because he didn't need high-end recruits to run what he wanted to run. And he he got very specific players for for that system. Unfortunately, I think that means that if you're looking at some of these guys who are apparently not running an air raid or anything close to it at all this offseason, I think Will Rogers struggles. Yep. A guy that was penciled in as a top 10 conservatively CFF option is now not really considered top 40, 50. I haven't looked at our rankings. I bet he doesn't fall uh, inside of there amongst our crew. Uh, Chris Parsons is backup. I mean, I, I don't see any real value there anymore. I, I, I don't think Will Rogers is an NFL guy. And I, and I think you're talking about running backs. I mean, Joe Quavius mm-hmm. Marks is really the only other guy there. It's just... It, it, it's a tough, and I think it's going to be a rough couple of years until they kind of uh, shift the roster to what they uh, are, are moving toward as opposed to what Mike Leach could have worked with there at Mississippi State. Yeah, they, they brought in Kevin Barbe uh, as the offen- offensive coordinator who runs a, de- a very different system, like you said. So it is going to take them a while to put in the pieces that they need to and to change over this system. So I do think they're probably going to be a bottom feeder in the SEC, definitely in the SEC West um, for, for a couple of years there. Jaquavis Marks, I think is mildly interesting because he catches passes as well. So we know he has that skill set. We're going to see him run between the tackles more this year. It sounds like he's going to be the starter. So I'll be interested to see how he does. He could have some flex worthy weeks, depending on the matchup, like early in the season. I don't know what their non-con looks like, but if they have some soft non-con games, he could have some, some flex worthy weeks early in the season. Um, So I'm not totally writing him off, but there isn't really anybody in this wide receiver room that I'm interested in. Uh, Nobody really in the tight end room. Guess who they play to open the season, Colin? Uh, wrong Mercer Mercer there we go (laughs) feel okay about that one and then I get Georgia Tech two weeks after that who I I think will be improved but uh, yeah not amazing and then who's their midseason non-con uh Louisiana Monroe so okay there are are a handful of games in there you make it a couple Ole Miss 12th in the FBS power ranking and fourth in the SEC power ranking. And I've heard Nick specifically say that this is a very tough team to gauge because of how they play the transfer portal and everything that goes on Mm, uh, with those kind of shenanigans. Um, Quarterback. I think we both think, and I think uh, you have vanquished your foe 
uh, on uh, your foes on this talk. <laughs> I think I think it is going to be Jackson Dart, even though Spencer Sanders and Walker Howard transferred in. You've got the true freshman, uh, Austin Simmons, um, who I actually don't even think is close to rosterable right now. Um, but that's completely beside the point. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I don't love any of these players, actually, which is a bummer because I was a uh, one of the... Sorry to say, one of the first people on Jack Start many years ago. Um, you were. It hasn't worked out like I thought. You were. No, I, I, I. So, I mean, obviously, you know, Matt Bruning and myself have both been trying to prop up that Jackson Dart hype train all offseason. It sounds like um, we might have gotten Corey and, and maybe Mike back on board as well. There's some other people kind of kind of coming back on board. And, and I think that's deservedly so, you know, I. I don't really know why Spencer Sanders decided to transfer to Old Miss. Uh, it's it was a weird situation this whole offseason. But Jackson Dart reportedly had looked good in the spring, kind of separated himself. Seems like he's going to be the starter. He's got a really nice skill set. He's got a big arm. Uh, he's mobile. He can throw on the move. Uh, he really just needs to limit the dumb throws and the turnover worthy throws. But I think this is a team that is probably going to throw a little bit more than what they did last year, just because they were one of the most run heavy teams uh, in the country last year. And not that Lane Kiffin doesn't like run the ball, but he is a little bit more known for, you know, some of his creativity and some of his, um, you know, his offensive prowess there. They were 120th in neutral game script pass rate and seventh in pace. I think they're going to be continue to be creative. They're going to continue to push the tempo a little bit, but that neutral game script pass rate is going to come up and Jackson Dart does offer something with his legs. So I think Dart's going to be interesting this year for CFF purposes. We'll see what he ends up being for the NFL. I still have some hope there given the skill set. We'll, you know, um, but I, I think this year is going to be really, really important for his development, especially now that he has been getting what seems to be the bulk of the first team reps the whole time where last year he was splitting like almost evenly with Luke Altmaier. The running backs. I think there's really two here that are worth um, mentioning. I think the first one is obviously Quinchon Judkins, who's a top 10 pick in any sort of C2C startup. The other one is Kedrick Riscano who I have kind of banged, banged this drum a little bit this offseason, where I think uh, by midseason, he is the obvious RB2 here. And uh, is a guy that caught, I believe, 50-something passes in his high school career. Like, he's very capable of kind of handling that alternative role that Judkins is okay at. But I don't think Judkins uh, is... He's a he's a capable pass catcher, but I wouldn't say he excels in the same way that Riscano does. So I think that's Riscano's kind of early transition and, and path to the field. I just got Riscano um, in a, a an industry league that we're both in at the 312, I think, in our supplemental. And I loved that value. I was so happy with that. And I I um I think he's if something happens to Judkins, Riscano is the easiest guy to point to in that backfield and say he can step in and run for a thousand yards. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think his biggest, Riscano's biggest competition right now is Ulysses Bentley, just because he's kind of operated 
in in the past as more of that receiving back type of a role. Um, but I don't think Ulysses Bentley is an SEC caliber back. I think we've seen that for like the last two years or however long it's been since he transferred to Ole Miss. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's going to be too long until Kedrick Riscano overtakes him. Uh, they did bring in Jam Griffin through the transfer portal late from Oregon State. But another guy that I don't think, I think this is just more of a depth signing. I think it's Quinshawn Judkins, who's going to be an absolute bell cow monster. And then Riscano is the future of the room. Um, I think Riscano has, you know, needs to bulk up a little bit, needs to improve his patience um, and, and his vision a little bit. But I think the future is is bright for Riscano. This was a, a big get for them in the recruiting cycle when they lured him away from Michigan State. Yeah, big, big win for them overall. I think the wide receiver room here is uh, extremely ambiguous with um, good players, but nobody that's great. And so I think that creates an issue for us trying to guess who's going to be there. Zachary Franklin comes over from UTSA. And I think if you had to put money on a guy to lead that room, it would probably be Franklin. But you've also got Trey Harris there. You've got Aiden Williams, a true freshman. Um, Jordan Watkins is there. I, I, um, I, I don't feel good about any of these guys, quite frankly. Um, even Franklin and Harris, uh, as proven as they are in the uh, NCAA landscape, it's new team, new quarterback, um, new step system. up. It's step up for both of them, actually. Yeah, mm -hmm. great, great, great point there. I, I, um, I, I don't know. I'm actually not really buying either of these guys. Yeah, I'm not really buying either of them at this point either. I I think for CFF purposes, we're definitely disappointed that both of these guys transferred to Old Miss because had they stayed at their original schools, they are both guys who could have had big, big years. Um, but I think they'll just have decent years at Old Miss this year. I think they are good, not great, like you said. Um, Jordan Watkins had a little bit of buzz in the spring. Um, they were kind of using him creatively, but I think that hype has kind of died down. Aiden Williams was the guy that they brought in in this year's receiving or in this year's recruiting class. And, and he was like their top receiver. They brought in another guy, Caden Lee, but Aiden Williams is definitely interesting from like a side speed athleticism standpoint. He's got to clean up a lot, um, but he could potentially be the future of this room because there isn't really anybody else there right now, but Lane Kiffin uses the portal like nobody else. So, it's impossible to say. Um, the tight ends. I, I actually am still a believer in Trig, Michael Trig. Um, <laughs> you and me both. I, I know. I'm sorry. I can't quit. I can't quit. That guy, we always talk about, you know, what do we care about? The, like, Chigakonkwo is getting NFL, like, dynasty buzz, guys. And guess what? Chigakonkwo is not good at football. Maybe Michael Trigg isn't either, but he's that level of an athlete. Like, I think we're just overlooking because he was injured slash ineffective last season. Man, if if the spring game could just be – if spring game Michael Trigg could just be like regular season Michael Trigg, like that would solve all of our problems and he would be a stud. But it, he has – he was injured last year and ineffective at times, and then they bring in um, Caden Prescorn as well. So now there's some competition there. I am still on Michael Trigg as well. I think there's some post-hype sleeper potential. Um, but like you said, it's 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 hard to predict the tight end position at the NFL level, 
especially just based on college production. Um, so you kind of tend to bet on athletes and Trigg is the type of athlete that ha offers a high and he has the receiving skill set to offer a higher end NFL potential than a lot of other tight ends in college right now. And then Caden Priestcorn has transferred in here as well. And I think that probably puts off some people from Trig, but I, um, I'm going to go hot takey here and like each uh, pro, um, kind of stereotypical Debbie analyst. I just think Trig is a way more talented player. Yeah. For a guy that's been there for over a year, whereas Priestcorn's coming in this year. I, I believe in Trig way more than Priestcorn. I am literally interested in Priestcorn 0%. I have zero shares of him, and I have probably, I don't know, maybe 10 of those kind of shotgun tight end rooms that we've talked about where you don't mm -hmm. have that anchor and you're you're kind of just stitching things together. I've literally not been interested in Priestcorn a single time this year at all. Has never even been in a queue for me. Your he's been in, are big. Yeah, he's been, he's been in, in queues for me, but I do have big queues. Um, I got... Big, big cues and I cannot lie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not really all that interested in pre-scoring either. I, I mean, I, I do think Trig is more talented. Maybe pre-scoring, it does end up outplaying him, but the ceiling isn't quite there. I liked what I saw from pre-scoring last year at Memphis, but again, this is a step up. It's in a room where I'm not really confident in any of these pass catchers pro providing um, like reliable CFF value. What's Caden pre-scoring's NFL value? He's an older prospect from what I, if, if I recall correctly. So I'm not all that interested in pre-scoring for the NFL level either. So I'm not very interested in pre-scoring. Last team up here, Texas A&M, 19th overall in the FBS power rankings, according to the C2C winning edge and sixth in the SEC. Uh, one quarterback to talk about, it's Connor Wegman. And I, um, for the record, I like Connor Wegman, and I think depending on value, I am happy to draft him uh, in startups this offseason. I also think overall, he's one of those players that I'm comfortable selling if I can package him for some more uh, secure assets. Uh, specifically, when I talk about a lot of these quarterbacks, like I am trying to trade quarterback for safety at quarterback if I can. So if I can, if I can fold Wegman into um uh some more safety there uh even to kind of trade him back into one of the freshmen um i'm not opposed to doing that at all quite frankly yeah i'm not either i wegman is a guy that i like he's in my top 10 qbs but i don't love him either and i don't love the situation at a and m and it does it sounds like they they're still giving max johnson reps which like what are we doing here jimbo like, like connor wigman was clearly the more effective quarterback last year. Like, what are we, what are we doing? Um, so I don't really trust Jimbo. It was really disappointing because I think Wigman is, is solid. And, and, and if he could develop, if he could get some consistent development, I think he could be an NFL guy, but it's, it's hard to judge right now. I think Wigman carries a lot of risk for somebody who's in my top 10 at quarterback. So I agree. I don't hate trading back for some safety at that position. Uh, the running backs, it sounds, I mean, Aaron, who was on earlier, seems to think that uh, this can be Ruben Owens' job sooner rather than later. I don't necessarily disagree with him at all. Uh, you're talking about uh, Amari Daniels. You're talking about Le'Veon Moss. I mean, these are not um, 
uh, you know, uh, extremely uh, in neither of them are proven. And I don't think either of them are, were so uh, talented as prospects to make me worry too much about Ruben Owens. So I like Owens here to stand out in this backfield, whether that means he starts week one or not, you know, I I'm not saying that, but I do think that Owens can push for snaps here in this uh, weaker backfield for sure. Yeah, I think Owens can push for snaps in this backfield like pretty early on. Um, I mean, it really wouldn't surprise me if he handles most of the receiving work early on and then he's just a more effective and explosive player than Moss or Daniels. So I do think he's the future of this room. It might just take you a little bit to get there. Like I wouldn't count on him for anything this year, but um, I like Owens despite him being a little bit of an older prospect, doesn't matter as much at the running back position. So I, I do, I do like Owens and then I'm not really that worried about Jimbo messing up the running back position. Cause that's one position he's been okay with. It is, it is for sure. Uh, a position that he really hasn't done too well with over the past few years, the wide receiver group. And it does sound like he struck gold last off season, uh, bringing in Evan Stewart and Chris Marshall. Marshall now gone, but Evan Stewart is still here. Borderline four, five-star guy. You'll see him as a high as wide receiver three in uh, C2C wide receiver rankings. That's a little bit high for me, but I still think he's a top seven guy, I think. Uh, that's where I have him in my rankings. Um, I think he's the clear, uh, if we're talking about guy that holds the most NFL upside on the team, I think he he very clearly occupies that space. But don't be surprised if Moose Muhammad and Aeneas Smith, both kind of more yakky line of scrimmage guys, end up outproducing him this year just because that's what Jimbo has been trying to do for the past couple of years is get these, quite frankly, not very talented players uh, into situations where they're you know in space and can go to work. And I think he would be better suited to highlighting Evan Stewart. Will they do that this year? I'm not so sure. Yeah, I like you said, I don't really trust Jimbo with the wide receiver position. Um, I think Evan Stewart succeeded last year because of his talent and despite of the situation and coaching around him, uh, which I think bodes well for, for Evan Stewart's future. You know, I, I think that he showed really well, and I think that he has a potential to be a first-round wide receiver when it's all said and done. He's that type of an athlete. Um, I, I definitely think he's a top 50 pick. Uh, in the NFL draft. So I don't care quite as much about that production this year. I think he'll, he's a, a classic better in best ball kind of guy. Cause he can go, he can have a big blow up game, but I don't really trust that passing offense at all. So would it surprise me if Muhammad and a nice Smith uh, outproduce him? No, it probably wouldn't. Uh, the other two guys here that I just think we have to mention a tight end Donovan green, who is out for the year. And so I actually, I'm actually only going to throw in one name out there because I don't know what they're going to do with a tight end position. It seems like it's very unsettled. Um, I think the name that people recognize is Jake Johnson, but I, it does not sound like he's the guy there. So I think this tight end room, if you can get Donovan green for cheap this year and you can stash him, I think that's great. Um, but I'm not touching any of these other guys uh, with the news that that's that green is out. No, I'm not really either. And it really sucks about Green because I think he was uh, under underrated 
Uh, I thought he could have a, a decent year. He had a really nice freshman year last year. Um, so that really sucks about green. I'm not really all that interested in Jake Johnson either, but he was a fairly high recruit from last year. Um, so I figured it, his name was worth mentioning. Um, and then just circling back to the wide receiver room for one sec, Noah Thomas, is, I think is another name to monitor uh, because he has been getting some buzz too and, and did a little bit last year. So, and he offers, I think a different skill set than the other guys in that room. So Noah what Thomas ebbs. is mildly intriguing. Whatevs. Um, that's going to do it for tonight's show, guys. Actually, we made it through the SEC. We have one more conference preview left. The good old Sun Belt Fun Belt. Best um, for last. And then I'm back to one show a week. That's really, really cool as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> that, that one week I had in between uh, was glorious. So um, make sure you're checking out all the other shows here on the C2C podcast feed. Um, we are going to be announcing a new lineup for our NIL and C2C Winning Edge exclusive feeds uh, podcast-wise. So uh, we've already got two shows lined up, and I think there's going to be a, a couple of more that we're going to announce over the next couple of days. So more They're incentive big. to uh, – yeah, uh, one of them is huge. Um, They're big. The other yeah. one's a solo show by me. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. the one is – yeah, yeah. But the one is really, really – big and awesome yeah. so um very by, uh, excited a, an industry thought leader for sure um check out the youtube channel check out campusgant.com check out everything we've got going on guys as the season rolls around you do not want to be missing out on the things that we are offering uh, from projections to rankings to uh just weekly kind of uh, roster management content we're, we're going to be covering all of that for you guys uh, we're going to be bringing home some ships this year. I feel good. Even Colin's going to win a championship this year. That's how good we're going to do this year. Ah. I'm getting at least one. Whoa. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for tonight's show, guys. We'll be back next week uh, with our final show of the conference preview series. Until next time, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one.